0: Uh, we're in the middle of a sermon series that I've been I've been super excited about. Uh, it's called Samson Night. and uh, I've been I, I love the story of Samson, and I've been every week just enjoying uh, enjoying it, enjoying uh, reading into the details of his life. And the reason is because I'm passionate uh, about saving as many people as I can from walking away from the Lord. There's two I want to save people from their sin, and, and what I mean is I want to I want God to use this church. I want them to save people from that. I want us to serve and people to come in, feel like, like it's their home, meet Christ. I want to see them have that first-time experience. And then I got to tell you, uh, the hardest part for me is watching somebody have that experience with Christ, be going where God has called them to be, be healing, you know, healed, seeing, seeing them become whole. It's almost like a roller coaster. They get to the top or you think they're going to keep going. And then before you know it, it's all downhill. And I, I've watched. I could, I could spend months just telling you stories about people who were going towards Christ and. Lost their way, got addicted again, dated the wrong person, right? Somebody that they shouldn't have been dating, uh, started making decisions that I knew were gonna lead them away from the Lord, got more apathetic than they should be, like just all of these situations in their life. And so we've been working through the story of Samson because he's an incredibly uh, called, gifted man with a ridiculously uh, weak will. And his will walks him away from the Lord. And he ends up, he ends up. Coming back to the Lord at the end of his life, we're going to get there, but he kind of crashes and burns. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't reach his full potential, and so we've worked through some topics. Next week, we're going to take a look at the topic of unresolved anger. Anger. If you are a person who is angry and you have not resolved it in your life, I've seen that lead people away from the Lord. And so we're going to talk about anger. Anybody else struggle with anger? You're probably not going to admit it, uh, but you're angry that I asked you about your anger today. All right? Like we, we, we I, I will admit it, like if, if I'm, there's things in my life that if I'm not careful, I allow, I allow my anger to push me away from the Lord, my unresolved issues from the past, my inability to forgive. And so we're going to work through that. And then the last week, uh, week number five on Greet and Treat, we're going to talk about relationships. And some of you, you, you know, you're, you're dating or whatever. I want to talk to you because this is, this is, if you just take Samson at his surface value, like this is where he struggles the most. He cannot, he cannot control himself when it comes to the opposite sex. So we're going to talk about about that. Today, I want to talk to you on the topic of entitlement. I called this message idiotic entitlement. And so uh, idiotic entitlement, because I couldn't find a good word that rhymed with it. And so I just liked that word. And so, uh, but idiotic entitlement. Here's what I would say about Samson. Samson was born into blessing. You ever meet anybody like that? I want you to think about people in your life. You'll notice most of you are not going to think about yourself. Think about people who've been born into blessing. Maybe, maybe that, that kid. I was thinking, thinking about in college. I remember in college, because uh, I don't think I was born into blessing, right? And so I, uh, I saved up my money the second semester. I bought a 1994 Volkswagen Jetta stick shift. It was black. It had the sweetest hubcaps and money could buy on it. I drove it to Texas. I was super excited because my first semester I didn't have a car, and so I was constantly bumming rides off people, and now I had a car. I show up, and my roommate, who already had a, a newer Mustang, a new Ford Mustang, during Christmas, his parents bought him a brand new, GT Ford Mustang. He lived in blessing. My car was garbage compared to his. Some of you have friends like, you, you know, you, your birthday would come every year. Your parents would, you know, give you, give you maybe 25 bucks in a card, tell you they, they love you, right, and give you money even though you did nothing to come into this world. You ever think about that? Like, you're getting celebrated for your mom doing the work, and so congratulations. And so you get 25 bucks. You go to that friend's house. He gets a pony, a pony. Turns turn 16. Your parents throw you a party. Take you to Applebee's. Let you take three of your best friends. Drop you off at the Coventry Mall. You walk across the street. Go to the movies, right? And you do that. You have another friend. His parents have a sweet 16 thing, and they, you know, a jet is flowing in for him, and you know, the president of the United States shows up, right? And so you go to. They go to college. They parents pay for everything, like born with a silver spoon in their mouth, they're talented. Like, you ever have a friend, no matter what you do, they're just more talented? You can work really hard, you believe all the lies, you drink the Gatorade, you eat the Wheaties, you want to be like Mike, you to show up, and they just dominate you. And you just think to yourselves, they're just born into into the land of blessing. They have the the privilege of plenty, right? They just have plenty in their life. There's always enough. Some of you, just more honestly, you 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 grew up in a a home where you didn't feel privileged. Like, you didn't feel like you had a lot of blessings. And you have that one friend that his family was perfect. Like, perfect. The dad and mom loved each other. There was no alcoholism. They talked kindly to each other. They stayed married. I had a lady stop me last week when she was walking out of here, and, and you know, I'll talk about my, my upbringing a lot. My parents were, were pastors. They're still in the ministry. Like, uh, I was at the same church, and she stopped me, and she just said, you know you're lucky. You know you're blessed, she said. Not everybody gets to have a family like you, and uh, I agreed with her. Like, I, I was born into the land of, of blessing. Like, some of you you, you, you begin to understand this. It's been financial in your life. It's been family-wise. It's been talent-wise. Some of you, this is the first church you've ever come to. Like, you, you, got, you met Christ here, uh, and it's, you've been born into the land of privilege and blessing even in this church, and I'm not saying that because I pastor this church. That would be really arrogant. But you walk in every week, and you don't even understand that like, most of the things that happen at this church don't happen at normal churches. Like, you stop and get a free cup of coffee. We have no idea where that comes from. You think we have elves somewhere. Somebody has shown up here early in the morning that has the same schedule that you have. Kids, you know, all the responsibilities, and they go to the back and they make coffee so that we have hot coffee, or some of you have kids, and let's just be honest, you're tired of them. We can be honest in here, and you actually love church, but you don't even love it for church, you love it for the free babysitting, right? (laughs) And you you just assume when you get here, somebody's gonna be back there. I don't know who's gonna be back there, but somebody's taking my kids, right? And you've been born in the land of blessings, because there's a lot of churches they can't get anybody to watch their kids. Like nobody wants to watch their own kids, much less, let me just be honest with you, your kids. <laughs> I was at a men's conference this weekend. So at a men's conference, none of them uh, paid my salary or part of my church. And so I decided at the men's conference, I'm going to say whatever I want because I'm only going to get one shot. And so... There's 900 men there. It was awesome here, and I'm it sounded like an attitude, uh, ad- an out of tune army singing, right? And so of men. And then I just I was like, Lord, I'm just going to say whatever that I usually don't say at church. And then I thought today, man, I'm exhausted because I already preached one time this week, and then I preach 8:30. So I'm just going to say whatever's on my mind today. Can I do that for once? Like I just because here's the thing about it. If you ask me, um, what are the struggles of of your church? What is it? What what do you struggle most at? We struggle with living in the land of plenty. The privilege, like we, that word "privilege," that's kind of a, a hot word. Most of us, we always want to talk about somebody else's privilege, but if you're if you're a Christian, if you follow Christ, if you received the gift of salvation, you've been born into privilege. I want to remind you even of that. Like watch what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. Because some of you don't understand. You think uh, church is about your rules that you follow and your regimen that you keep. And then if you do the rules and you have the right regimen, then there's a God in heaven that's going to check some boxes off. And then you have a relationship with them because of all the things that you've done, right? That doesn't feel like you've been born into blessing or the land of plenty, a land of privilege. What that feels like is a weight. So for some of you, that's why church always feels like a weight, because you feel like you have to be here. You you feel like you're doing certain things to get God to love you and applaud you. You feel like if you don't come, if you don't show up, if you don't serve, that he'll lose his focus of you and he'll be mad at you and he won't bless you. So you're always just doing enough of what you could do to get him to bless you. But I want to remind you that when you find Christ, that you've been born into blessing, into the land of plenty. Watch what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, but because of his great, love for us. God who is rich in mercy makes us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. That means you were at the worst spot possible and God who's rich in mercy makes you alive in Christ. And then it says this, it's by grace you've been saved. It's by grace God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. Watch what it says again. He wants to remind us, Paul, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. Not by works. So no one can boast. You've been born into the land of plenty. You've been born into privilege. You're a lot more like Samson than you know. Samson was born into privilege. He was born. His muscles started forming in his mother's womb. He came out, I don't know, but I'm just going to guess, with a full head of hair, right? He had all of his hair. He never lost any of his hair. God said, don't cut your hair. Everything he touched, he was successful in because of God. God's anointing was on him. God's power was in him. Listen, his attraction to other people was like a magnet. Like people loved Samson. He was famous. He was well known. He had everything given to him. He was that guy, silver spoon guy. He was privileged. He lived in the land of blessing. And here's what I know about people like that. And I want to remind you, that's you. You've been born into the privilege through Christ, right? You've been, you've been set apart by Christ, by grace, not by works. I want to remind you of this. When you're given something without earning, it's always going to be difficult for you to fully appreciate it. When you're given something without earning it, It will always be difficult for you to fully appreciate it. And here's the key. What you don't appreciate always depreciates. I feel it. When you don't fully appreciate the the, the access you have to Christ, the ability that you have to come into this place, the opportunity that you have to worship. We don't understand. He don't need your worship. And even your best. Outside of Christ is a filthy rag in the sight of a holy God. And even your best, even the best singers in this place, the ones who have the best posture in worship, you know what I'm talking about is all different postures, right? You can look at people, you can see their postures, right? Even the ones who have the perfect 90 degree angle, hands stretched out high, can hold them for longer than 30 seconds, right? Even those people, even their best is nothing compared to the riches of God. And when you don't appreciate that in your life, it will always depreciate. And this, this is what happens. What happens is you no longer appreciate it, and you actually get to the point where you feel entitled. You feel entitled. And this is, this is where Samson's life goes, I think, historically wrong. He carries the spirit of entitlement. I, 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 I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to church. You ever even think to yourself, I wonder if church is going to be open today? I haven't been here for three weeks. I had games. It rained a few weeks ago. I was really tired last week, let's be honest. I was hungover. I had a wedding shower, a birthday shower, a shower shower. (laughs) My kid was sick. I made it that my kid was sick last week because I didn't want to go to church, and they're a great excuse to not go. You ever think to yourself after you skip for three or four weeks, I wonder if church is going to be open today. No, you just assume because you're entitled. I'm entitled to church. I wonder if you think to yourself, I have three kids. They're screaming. They're fighting. They're on my nerves. I wonder if anybody's going to be watching kids today. No, you... Get out. You didn't even stop the car yet, Dad. Get out, right? (laughs) Take them, honey. Why? We're entitled. Did you get up today and say, God, thank you so much for allowing me to come to church and worship you in the midst of all the crap that I pulled this week? all the times that I spent not focused on you, all the times that I wasn't thankful and grateful and, you know, pointed my praise towards you and I just worried about myself and then I prayed that you would save me from stress, but I'm stressed because I don't put you first. God, save me. We don't even wonder. We just assume he's going to be happy to see me. Why? Because he's given us something we didn't earn and when he's given us something we didn't earn, it's really hard for us to appreciate it. And what happens when you don't appreciate is entitlement sets in. Did you see this last week? I want to take you back to Judges chapter 14. I want to show you something in Judges chapter 14. You remember the Lord gave him strength, the Bible says, to tear apart a lion, a young lion, as if it was a young goat. I don't know what that means but I think it's hilarious. Like he's so strong that tearing apart a goat, right? And I just picture him taking the jaws and just ripping them apart and taking the skin all the way off and making a jacket out of it, right? And like all this stuff. That's so easy for him, right? But the spirit of God comes on him. This lion jumps out that probably would kill him. And he takes the lion and he rips it open and he walks away as if it's no big deal. He's not appreciative. He doesn't go, thank you, God, for giving me the ability to handle that. Because if you didn't, that lion would have eaten me. He rips it apart and he walks it away. It walks away. He's entitled. In fact, he comes back later on and he notices in the lion is some honey. Remember last week? What did I tell you? He's not supposed to do. He's not supposed to drink. He's not supposed to cut his hair. You guys remember that? And he's not supposed to touch what? Everybody tell me. Dead Dead things. The bee's honey is in the dead animal. But he comes in and he sees it. And he touches the honey. And here's why he touches the honey and he eats the honey. Because he's entitled to it. Instead of walking by and having that reminder, oh my gosh, God, you, you saved me here. You rescued me. No, no, I'm entitled to that. It's like when we start a business and we forget that God has given us the ability to start the business. And it starts to go where we, we never dreamed it would go. And God begins us to give us opportunities that we should have never had. And there's honey in there, right? There's things that maybe we shouldn't touch. Like, the, like the, the ability for us to start skipping church or not relying on the Lord as much as we were relying. Or not being faithful with the finances because he's increased them now. And so when we had a little bit, we could be faithful. But when he's increased it, and what do we do? We go back and we touch the honey because we're entitled to it. I did the work, right? I earned this. I should be able to touch this, right? Same thing with marriages. We're entitled to them. Like, we, we, we touch the honey. We get kids, right? We, we start off, so God, give me a kid. God, I just want to raise this kid to serve you and follow you and believe in you and do all these things. And then you have kids, and there's so many other things that are clamoring for their attention. You touch the honey. You forget where you came from. You, you forget what God has done in your life. Entitlement. And when you begin to believe in entitlement, you begin to believe that you deserve certain things. And when you live from a deserving attitude, your eventual end will be a destroyed spiritual life. When you live from a deserving attitude. And so Brene Brown, she says this, and I love this. She says, what's the answer? Because here's the thing. I want God to bless me. Anybody else? Nobody does? I want to pastor a bigger church. just going to tell you personally for me i don't want this to be the biggest auditorium we ever had i want this to be the jv auditorium i don't want this to be as many people as we ever reached i want this to just be the beginning like i i don't I, i want god to bless my life i don't think that's we should be ashamed about that i i want him to increase our finances in this church so we can continue to reach more people but here's the ticket how do you continue to handle the blessings of God in a way where he can continue to bring them to you? Watch, watch what she says, Brene Brown. She says, what separates privilege from entitlement? Watch what she says. Gratitude. And I know Thanksgiving's still a month and a half away. We're not supposed to talk about this right now. You know how it is. You don't really talk about it. You love your wife as much as you should until your anniversary or Valentine's Day. Two times a year is good, Honey we don't talk about jesus being born of a virgin until christmas we don't talk about the empty tomb until easter let's stay on schedule right it's october let's talk about candy something like that or evilness monsters or something like that right and so but i just want i want to i want to talk to you about gratitude because gratitude is life changing if I want to show you something in scripture, because I think a grateful heart is not a natural, it's not natural. It's not it's not what we normally do. Like you can you can have 10 people and they can all have been saved by 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 by, by grace and filled with the Spirit and growing, but you can look at them in worship and be like they're they're a little different. You can look at them in, in response to it. You can you can see how they act in their walk with the Lord. It's not it's not normal, it's not natural for us to be grateful. What's natural for us is to feel privileged. Is to feel entitled. It is to say, okay, I deserve these things. Like, look at me, God. I can't even do that. Like, of course you're going to use my life. Look how impressive I am, God. That's why I'm constantly reminded. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. In other words, you're an idiot. You're not that smart. That's why I can use your life. You should be thankful that I even give you the opportunity to speak through your life. It's gratitude. It's gratitude. Gratitude destroys entitlement. Let me, just, let me just show you in Scripture what I mean. Luke chapter 17, how, how it's not natural. The Bible says that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men had leprosy, and they met him. So just picture this. I don't have time to, to describe what leprosy is, but it's just an awful disease. And uh, we don't hear about it a lot, but in the Bible times, if you got leprosy, that was, your, that was you were dead. There was no, there was no curing that. And uh, what would happen, before you would die physically, you would, you would experience a slow, painful, emotional, and relational death. And so when you got leprosy, you were immediately cast away from your family because you were contagious. You weren't allowed to come to church. You weren't allowed to go to family holidays. If you would ever see your family, you would see them from a distance. So you can imagine if you're, you're a mother or father and you get leprosy, you have young kids. For the rest of your life, you're going to only see them from a distance. So the only people you could hang out with were other lepers. You can see these 10 guys are walking around. Uh, leprosy would give you all sorts of lesions on your skin. And uh, oftentimes, because of what would happen physically, you would lose feeling in a lot, of your, a lot of your extremities. And maybe you would accidentally cut off a finger at one point or rip your nose off or lose an ear. And so these guys are carrying ears around in their pockets and stuff like that. And they're just, they're, they're just messed up. Everywhere they would go, they would have to yell unclean. Ma- imagine this unclean, unclean, unclean. And so they see Jesus, right? And Jesus is there, the Bible says, and they stand at a distance and they call in a loud voice, have pity on us, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And they went and as they went, they were cleansed. No cure, the cure is Jesus. There's a lot we can unpack there. They're running, and they start to look, and they look down. All the scabs are going away. Some dude's ear that was in his pocket is back on his head. He's like, oh, my gosh, I got both ears now. Hey, Frank, your nose is back on. Your face, they're running. They're excited. And there's one dude, right, this one dude who has now been been put in the land of privilege and in the land of blessing. I didn't earn this healing. I met Jesus, and he healed me, right? One guy, the Bible says, watch what it says. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God and allowed. Loud voice. One of them. The other nine kept running, right? He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and what does he do? And he thanks them. I love that Jesus does this constantly. He's talking to Jewish people. They hated Samaritans, and so Jesus throws this. He's a Samaritan. I want to make sure you know that. Like, he's, he's not a typical church person, right? He's not, he's not typically what you would say is somebody who would, quote, unquote, enjoy church, right? He's an outsider, You ever notice how judgmental we are with outsiders and how cool we are with the insiders and Jesus was really, really close with outsiders and he was kind of judgmental with the insiders, right? And so the Bible says that he comes back, the Bible says, and says to Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, where's the rest of them? Wasn't there 10? Were they not all healed? In other words, gratefulness is optional. It's not normal. It's not typically how we live our lives. The longer you live in blessing, the less thankful you can be. The more God gives you, the easier it is to live entitled. I don't know if you have kids. The hardest thing for your kids is to train them to not be entitled while blessing them. It is is a terrifying endeavor to raise an entitled brat who is going to be a burden everywhere they go for the rest of their life. Like you wanna you wanna bless them, but you wanna bless them in a way where they're more and more and more grateful, they're more and more giving, they're more and more generous, they develop more and more character, and as a parent, what do you do as soon as you realize, oh my gosh, I'm raising an entitled kid, I don't want to raise an entitled kid, you close your hand. You live with an open hand when you have a grateful, thankful kid. You live with a close- This is what happens in our lives. You want more blessing from God. It's not about his resources. He has more in his tank than you can even imagine. It's about your gratefulness. So let me just give you a few thoughts on gratefulness. This is how you kill entitlement. One, you're going to remember every good thing you have comes from God. Everybody say every. Every. Say every. 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 Come on. Say it like you mean it. Every. Every. Listen, I want you to try to fall asleep tonight and hear my annoying voice. I want you to hear it in your sleep, right? I want to get a mean email from you that I kept you up, right, at nighttime. Every, everybody say every. Every. In Montgomeryville, say every. Every. No, not here. I wanted to hear them. And so (laughs) if you're online, just scream at your computer. Every good thing. You got to get this. This is really important. Every good thing that you have comes from God. And I don't see this in Samson at all. There's not a time. Judges 13, 14, 15, or 16. There's not a time that you see Samson having this kind of inside conversation with himself where he, he looks in the mirror. He goes, man, thank you, God, for my muscles. He's playing with his hair, right, in the most masculine way possible. Thank you. Guts it up in a man. mean, he's so masculine, he could wear a man bun. You know what I'm talking about? Like... Just man, he does a man bun. Thank you for my hair. Thank you thank you for my ability to, 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 to destroy things and beat things up and protect things. Thank you for my good looks. Thank you for my leadership ability. Thank you for the wisdom that, that you're giving me. There's not one moment in scripture where you see Samson telling the Lord, thank you. And if you're not careful, you can spend your entire week, your entire month, your entire year, your entire church experience... Your entire life, without ever uttering the words, thank you, God. In fact, that's the very first thing you should do when you get into this room. Find your seat, sit wherever they tell you to sit, don't be like that. And so, and you just sit and worship, start, and and the very first thing you should say is, thank you, God, for another week. Thank you, God, for giving me an opportunity to worship and praise you today. Thank you, God. I got to do it around myself here every week. Thank you, God, for giving me another week to share your, your truth with people. Thank you, God, that you, did, you decided to save a wretch like me. Thank, thank you, God, that you've, you've, you've done some healing in my life. Thank, thank you, God, for another chance. And here's why, because if I don't do that, what I don't appreciate depreciates. I'll come up here without a thankful heart. And what translates out of a thankful heart is a non-inspired message from the Lord. But I don't understand how, how good he's been. How Listen, I shouldn't be up here. You, you shouldn't be in these seats. Me and you are not good enough to be in this room and praise God outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. Everything you have. Everything you have. Every, every, everything you have. Should I say it again? Everything you have. That is good comes from the Lord. Watch what it says in the book of James 1. Don't be deceived. My brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. And here's why this is so important. A grateful heart is a magnet for more miracles. A grateful heart is a magnet for more miracles, And so I want to spend my entire life recognizing the blessings and the goodness of God in, in, in my life. everything good. Number two is this: is don't let what you want rob you of what you have. Amen. Don't let what you want rob you of what you have. So uh, this is what happens to Samson. He, he, he wanted honey. <laughs> he sees honey. I want the honey. So what happens? He lets, him rob, lets it rob him of what he has. What does he have? He has this ridiculous strength. He is willing to sacrifice the strength that God has given him in his life, built on the promises of God, which is don't touch dead things, don't drink alcohol, don't cut your hair for some honey. And here's what I found. A lot of us that are entitled, we will allow what we want in our lives, our unanswered prayers, our expectations, the things that other people have that we don't have to rob us of a grateful heart and what we have. I mean, I, I just, I can give you so many examples. Last night was homecoming, right? Homecoming is this whole thing. I got a ninth grader. I didn't realize ninth graders went to homecoming. And so we're figuring this out on the fly and Carter's telling me we got to get dressed. And so he gets this, this, these clothes on that he's never going to wear again, right? And so, and we go to this house and he's going to take pictures and I'm like, okay, what, what, what time, and what, what are we doing with these pictures? And then I go, Google in the houses where we're going, and I notice that they're, you know, they're, they're nicer than my house. So then I start to think about what I don't have. I don't have, a, I don't have a walk-in closet. I see these pictures of this house. These, these people got a walk-in closet. One of the houses, of the two houses take pictures. I don't know what the heck is going on. And so, two houses. Next house, has a pool and a hot tub. But you know what I got in the back of my yard right now? Trees. I don't not only have trees, I got one that died on me this year, and it's gonna cost me lots of money to cut down a tree that I did not plant. <laughs> you know what I don't have? A pool. I'm gonna allow what I don't have to rob me of what I have. You, you, know, what, you know what I do have? I have clothes for the closet. I, I have a mower to take care of my lawn, and i got friends that are going to help me cut down the tree they just don't know it yet yeah. <laughs> I'm going to allow what I want want to rob me of what I have. And I'm just telling you, so many of us, we, we get in life, and we have all these things given to us. We have all these blessings. We're not giving thanks. We're not being grateful, as the Bible tells us to do. We're not consistently writing down our blessings. We're not thanking God for the day that he's given us, for the breath in our lungs, for the spouse that we have. We're always praying about our spouses instead of celebrating them. You know what I'm talking about? God, would you change them? And meanwhile, I'm just going to be honest with you. A lot of times the change that needs to happen is in you. It's in you. It's the works in you. God, give me different kids. God, give me this. Give me that. Instead of going, God, thank you. I'm not going to allow what I want. Of course, I want more. Of course, I want you to bless me more. Of course, I want to get better. Of course, I want to grow. Of course, I got more expectations of you. The Bible says we should expect. It. God is a God who's able to do immeasurably more we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. But in the season that I that I'm in, I'm not going to allow what I want in the future to rob me of what I currently have. Listen, there's been years in my life that I've wanted a clean house, and the problem is, I have three boys. You know how many times I allow what I want to rob me of what I currently have? Someday I'm gonna have a perfectly clean house. There's not gonna be anybody in there, and I'm gonna walk in, no one's gonna be there, and so I'm gonna be able to be honest and vulnerable with myself, and I'm just gonna cry. God, one more time, I just wanna smell that smell. You know what I'm talking about, your boys. You know what I'm talking about, your boys. Just one more time, I wanna smell that smell. I want to have that conversation. Where is that coming from? God, one more time, I just want to pull something out, and I just want to see food wiped on there. Just one more time, you know, one more time, I just want to clean boogies off one of my side chairs. I just want to wipe the boogies off one more time. You know what I'm talking about with kids? But right now, I want a clean house. You guys, I'm preaching right, right? Like, you're, I want a clean house right now. So what I'm doing, I'm going to allow what I want to rob me of what I have, because this season is going to go really fast. That's why the Bible says godliness with contentment contentment says, God, you've been better to me than I deserve, and I'm content, whatever my lot, whatever my lot, whatever you've called me to, wherever you put me, God, I'm going to be grateful in that season. I'm not going to lie what I want to rob me of what I have, and number, number three, number three, this one's important, I'm going to turn every blessing I have back into praise. Now, in the Old Testament, the way they praise the Lord is through sacrifice, sacrifice, and uh, I just wondered to myself if Samson would have been in the habit of sacrifice. Now, there's never an instant in, in Scripture where they sacrificed a the lion to God, but there's also never an instance in, in Scripture where a dude ripped a lion's life with his bare hands. So I just wonder if Samson would have ripped that thing open and then had this oh my goodness moment in his life. I should sacrifice this dead carcass to the Lord and give it back to him because he's been so good to me to be able to give me the ability and the talent and the opportunity to do this. I started thinking to myself, if he would have done that, guess what? There wouldn't have been any spot for the honey. But he didn't, he didn't, turn, he didn't turn it back into praise. And so what happened is when he walked by this dead carcass a few months later, he was led astray into pride. Pride, which interestingly enough, as I'm thinking about it, isn't that what the word they use to describe a a herd of lions? A pride, right? Is that correct? I don't know if that's connected and that's digging too much, but that just came to me. And so pride. And you don't see one time in scripture, in the four chapters of Samson, besides when he's in need at the end of his life and his eyes are ripped out and his strength is gone. One time we're in the middle of God being great to him. You can read about his story. At one point, he kills thousands of men with the jawbone of a donkey. He rips the city gate off of its hinges at one point through the spirit of the Lord. This dude, I mean, he is successful in a way that most and not one time did he stop and say, I need to turn this back into praise. And I'm just telling you, one of the most spiritually weak spots, blind spots of Christians is that we don't spend enough of our life praising the Lord. We don't spend enough of our time uh, at home praising the Lord. We get here, we're distracted. We get here, we're overwhelmed. We don't really praise the the, the Lord. Like we just, we don't spend enough of our time doing it. And I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, the answer to the blessings in your life is to constantly point your, your, your mindset and your attentions and your affections back to the Lord. Turn every blessing you have back into praise. I love what they say in Psalm 63. It says, I'll praise you as long as I live, and in, my, in your name I will lift up my hands. I want to just stop there. I don't know, some of you didn't grow up Pentecostal, and you know you're from different church backgrounds, some of you've never been to church before. You look around, you see people raising their hands, you're weirded out. Like, why do they do that? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It, it is the posture of thankfulness. It is the posture of humility. It, 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 it is the posture of excitement. about seven hours, eight hours, nine hours, whatever it's going to be, ten hours, I'm going to turn on my TV, and the eagles are going to play the cowboys, and within a, within a few moments of us getting the ball, I've already had this prophesied, i felt it and so we're going to go down there and we're going to score a touchdown on the hated Dallas Cowboys. And all the fans in the stadium and everybody at home, myself included, when they score a touchdown, what are we going to do? Yeah, we're going to fist pump, you know, suck it, Dallas, right, all this stuff. Like, can't say that about any other team besides, like, I hate you, you know, all this. I'm like, ah, oh! and, and you're, we're not even going to be weird about it. We're going to be like, That's, that is a natural posture. Somebody raises their hands at church. They're like, dude, what is wrong with this person? They're a little bit fanatical. We raise our hands, I'm going to do it too, in celebration over an air-filled pigskin going across a sideline of a game that we made up. And you're going to tell me in church the God who saved you out of that ridiculously dark pit that healed you, that made you whole, that redeemed you, that set your feet on solid ground. You're gonna tell me he doesn't deserve your hands being held in the air. You're gonna tell me that you're scared of what other people are gonna think about you. You're gonna tell me your pride is gonna get in the way and say, I can't do that. It's weird. No, no, it's weird that we wear the Eagles jerseys and we celebrate a pigskin. What's not weird is my hands in the air saying, you saved me, turning every blessing that I have back into praise. In fact, uh, I found that men oftentimes have a, have a harder time doing this because we don't think it's manly. And I'm just going to tell you, the strongest men in the world, they worship the Lord with their hands held high. They worship the Lord with their hands held high. They worship the Lord in adoration. They know that life is too big for them. They know that they can't do it on their own. And I'm just telling you from, ex- from experience, I just know that. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to give Him my highest praise. I'm going to turn everything I have back in. Praise. Would you stand to your feet? Would you uh, bow your heads and close your eyes? Now I don't know if you were paying attention during the last song, but uh, it was a perfect leading. And I don't think we planned this this week out. I didn't ask him to sing that song, but man, it's such a powerful reminder. And if you were here and you were locked into worship, what you what you heard is, uh, "I'm sorry, Lord." I'm sorry because oftentimes I'm not even paying attention to how good you are to my life. I live in the land of plenty, of privilege. My blessings have almost become a burden because they're they're so frequent in my life that I don't even recognize them. In fact, I've gotten in a habit, I'm so entitled that I just expect you to show up and keep doing the things you've done for me. And I think the answer to balancing out those high expectations of God is a massive awareness of how good he is to you. And listen to me, he's been better to you than you deserve. Maybe you need to say that, because some of you, it's hard. You're like, no, no, he has. Yes, he has. If he saved you, if he's kept the breath in your lungs to the point where he saved you, if he kept your heart beating so that he could reach you, and now you're here and you've been bought by the blood of the lamb, you've been redeemed, You've been set free. You're walking in healing. You're whole, you're forgiven. You receive mercy and grace. He's given you more than you could ever deserve. I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. Every good thing I had is from God, I'm grateful. God, I know there's more things I want you to do in my life, but Lord, the answer right now in my life is to be thankful for what you've done so far. So far, God created a contentment in my life, godliness with contentment. And Father, right now, all over this place, Lord, we just give you praise. We just give you honor. Maybe if you would feel comfortable in this place, I know sometimes it feels like you need the music to keep, to raise your hands. Maybe you would just lift your hands all over this place and you would just begin to tell Him, Father, I thank you. I'm not worried about the person to my right or left. I'm not ashamed of you, but I'm grateful. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. I thank you for saving my sins, for me, for my sins, and setting me free, and healing me, and making me whole. And Lord, we stand with our hands lifted high to you, with our hearts being given fully to you, with our minds focused on you. And Lord, with our words, we celebrate and we thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done in my life. There's those of us that we're we're beginning to miss those blessings. and Entitlement is creeping into our lives. We don't even see it. But right now, I pray that your your spirit would just create a holy awareness, a holy awareness. Somebody in this place is losing it right now. They're they're literally losing uh, their faith. Apathy is creeping in. And they didn't know why. It's an entitlement. God is better to you than you deserve right now you're just birthing that in them again. Lord, what they had years ago maybe when they got saved, they were on fire for you. Lord, it seems so hard to keep that fire lit, Lord. But right now, Lord, you're just going to birth something new, Lord, a new awareness, a new hunger, uh, a new desire to follow you. Lord, you're going to just do something fresh and new in their life because you're, you're the God of more than enough. You're the God that's capable of changing us in a moment as we worship you and we thank you we we talk to you in our own words maybe you don't know Christ maybe you're here right now have your head bowed and your eyes because you don't know Christ but you need to you need to he's a good God he loves you more than you can imagine he's never given up on you he'll keep pursuing you he'll save you by grace he'll give you mercy he'll fill you with love give you this deep sense of joy. It's better than happiness. Happiness is fleeting. He'll give you joy, unspeakable joy. Some of you, you live your life crippled by anxiety. The spirit of the Lord comes into your life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he'll fill you with the peace that surpasses all understanding. Outside of circumstance. Man, I want that for you. I want that for you. Somebody's been praying that for you. But here's the thing about it. It's like any gift. The gift can be presented, wrapped, and pushed across the table. But your job is to take it and open it up. And the Bible says if you would just call on Jesus, you would confess you're a sinner, you need a Savior. You would humble yourself in this moment that Jesus would come in and lift you up. He died for you. He was buried for you. The Bible says on the third day, he rose for you. And he defeated death, sin, and hell. And it's through him. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus is saved. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer as we close, both here in Montgomeryville. You would say, hey, that's me, that's me, that's me. I don't know Christ, but I need to. I don't don't know Jesus, but I need to. I can't live one more day without him. I need to humble myself in this moment. I need to ask him to be my forgiver, my healer. Maybe you've been in church for literally years, and you've never actually had an experience with Christ. You know how I know that that happens? Because I grew up in church, and I didn't meet him until I was 18. I knew him with my head, but I never allowed him to touch and come into my heart. And when I had that moment, everything changed. Maybe you've been here for years. Maybe you, in Montgomery you've walked through the, the doors of a church for years, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know you need one right now. All over this place, if you would say, hey, that's me. That's me. I need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In a humble, courageous, bold step, if that's you, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, that's me. I don't know Christ. I see a hand here. I see a hand here. I see another hand here. Come on. Just keep your hand held high. Another hand here. Yes. 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 Anybody else who would say, hey, that's me. That's me. The Spirit of the living God is knocking at the door of my heart. I'm going to let him in right now. I'm going to let him in. We're going to pray together all over this place. Maybe you've never prayed before. Prayer is like talking to your friend. It's like talking to your friend, nothing long, nothing drawn out, nothing super religious. I need Jesus Christ all over our houses. Would you just repeat after me, everyone, say, Jesus, thank you for meeting me here today. Jesus, I believe in you. I know you can heal me. I know through your cross you can set me free. I know because of your empty tomb that today I'm made whole that this is not the end of me, but I have a future with you, Jesus. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for rescuing me. And thank you for changing me today. In your name we pray, Jesus. All over this house, shout amen with me. Amen. Come on, let's clap together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.